folks, and uh, welcome to Jersnet, the independent Rangers podcast made by fans for fans, where all your content is absolutely free, and that's because we're coming to you in association with Forest Precision Engineering. My name's Alec Anderson. Uh, I'll be your host this evening, Sunday the 21st of May, 2023, as we take a wee look back at today's uh, comfortable 3-1 win over Hibs at Easter Road, uh, review the paucity of our bench for that match, uh, indulge in a bit of uh, transfer speculation, and have a look back at our incoming CEO, James Busy Bizgrove's extensive pronouncements last week on everything from fan engagement to safe standing and Celtic's ticket allocation for old firm games at Ibrox. This is episode 269 of the Jersnet podcast going out live on our YouTube channel, but it's available to watch and or listen to at any time on YouTube. And from tomorrow, it should be available on Acast, iTunes, CastBox, Stitcher, Spotify, Fax Machine, Carrier Pigeon, or two old soup cans with a bit of string tie between them. Basically, if you can't get us on your favourite pod provider, folks, let us know because we should be on most platforms that are out there. If you are joining us live, you can uh, give us your opinions on the YouTube live comment section. Also, don't forget we have a swish new updated jersnet.co.uk website complete with a friendly discussion forum and a wealth of articles from our contributors including the highly impressive History Archive. Please hit the thumbs up icon and uh, if you could be so kind, folks, let your pals know that we're here. Uh, I'm delighted to say uh, we have two fantastic guests for you this evening, both uh, kind of champing at the bit um, and their their partners better than me champing at the bit. Oh my God, that's a much better part than mine. Uh, I'll be talking about content before we know it. But first of all, I want to introduce, uh, let you know about our highly valued sponsors, Forest Precision Engineering, uh, established in 1983. Forest Precision Engineering is a leading precision engineering and special purpose machinery manufacturer. Based in Glasgow, their services in precision engineering are available to companies all over Scotland and throughout the UK. They're leading manufacturers of special purpose machinery for a range of applications. Their website is at forestprecisionengineering.com. They're big friends of Rangers and they have a stunning new hospitality area within the Ibrox main stand. For information on how to book the Forest Precision Executive Lounge, a unique and intimate space, please email the club via hospitality at rangers.co.uk. And so to my guests, uh, and this is my first time hosting the, the Sunday night flagship show. There was there was giddy young boys, I'll be trying as it gets towards the end of the season. I couldn't ask for two better guys uh, to hold my hand. The kind of men who are so urbane, they know what cutlery to use uh, with each course at the Blue Sky Lounge. And they're so staunch, you just know they've ticked the uh, all-home friendlies box and the, the season ticket renewal form. <laughs> First of all, I am proud to introduce uh, the man who was an utter gentleman with me in my first night as a guest on Jersey Night, all the way back in the, the black and white days of July 2020, and who's equally considered as my guest as I hosted my first Friday Night Preview pod, and now knows me so well, he has a waitress on standby with the Hendrix just to numb the earache. It's Stuart, you'd better make that a double please, dear, weir. <laughs> Stuart, how are you tonight, sir? Actually, I asked for two fingers, those two. <laughs> <laughs> it was high, It was a highly impressive moment. We were all sitting with the cans of lager, but Stuart's got um, the waitress on standby. There was uh, the ice, the lemon, the, the full works. It was it was nicely done, Stuart. It's very smooth. I did try. <laughs> and uh, secondly, but by by no means least, fresh from uh, power washing his drive like a real man between taking phone calls <laughs> between taking phone calls. From the battalion of spies he's got planted up and down the country looking for Rangers transfer tips. Um, my old nemesis from the best Thursday night fives in the history of office worker five sides. It's the Copeland Front loyalist himself, Mr. Doogie Kinnear. Doogie, how are you doing, mate? Can we just call it quits now and we'll just I think, I think that's a, I think that's about quarter <laughs> ten now anyway, so 
I think it's watching everyone. Uh, we've peaked, we've peaked too much. early. By the way, there's nothing else to see after this. We've peaked. Aye. End of season stuff, we really are just, just padding it out. And I'm the man to do the padding, don't worry about that. Aye. <laughs> Twist, twisted blood, Dougie used to leave me with the, the, the fives. It's not just uh, it's not my diet or my lifestyle. It's the, the things on the, the DVT or the angina. It's, uh, I was trying to catch you at the pits, Dougie. You still playing, you're still playing regular though, yeah? I am, I am. Still at two games a week at the moment. Um, still going strong. Nearing the 40s as well. Oh, that's so much. Yeah, that's, you'll, always, you'll always be way younger than me. I'm struggling I, just to watch two games a week. Never I been. gave up. I gave up when somebody when somebody likened me to the rhinoceros and bed knobs and broomsticks. It was time. <laughs> it was time. <laughs> time to chuck it. <laughs> and it's just to go in goals. Uh, still, it's just they couldn't get in past me. I just laid lay sideways in goals and we're fine. <laughs> yeah, uh, right, lads. We're we against it. I know, I know. Yeah, thanks, mate. We better get into it anyway, gents. Um, Hibs won, Rangers three. That's us now. 40 points clear of our friends from Leith. And uh, perversely, with us being unable to gain points uh, on Postecoglou in any Premiership weekend since Bill arrived. From the moment Celtic have actually sealed the title, uh, we've gained five points on them in the last two weeks. Uh, now, actually, I'm with a chance of finishing 94 points, which is one more point than, than Celtic won it with last season. Grasping at straws, but... It was a bit of a low-key feeling at kickoff. There was empty seats in the home section. I don't know if the, the Hearts result yesterday kind of put the boot into put the boot in the um, Hibs kind of European ambitions. Uh, Rangers be a cost kind of win anything this season, and we're in a, an away kit that looks like more like Hibs kit than our actual home kit. It was all kind of very strange, but it turned into you know a, actually a really comfortable day. Stuart, what was your kind of initial reaction to the result and the performance? Did did you enjoy that today, or you just you just want the season over? Um, well, given the fact that I actually came home and watched the match in its entirety, so I would know what I was talking about, having been somewhere else today, it was, um, it was everything I expected. First of all, can I start, please, um, with the Soapbox Rant of the Week? Why Rangers need to play in an away kit against Hibs is utterly beyond me. Why don't you just run about with sandwich boards on saying for sale cheap kits available at www.let's get rid of this red and white away kit quite soon because we need to bring in another one.com I mean utter piffle to use the James Sanderson expression I mean okay you might want to look like uh, uh, Monaco or you might want to look um, you know uh, years ago like uh, Kelowna, I think it was Kelowna or whoever it was but I mean, listen if that was a cup final today would Rangers turn up in a red and white kit? No, so treat every game as if it's a cup final you play in blue, stop the marketing gimmicks That's true. I think the most distinctive thing about the Hibs kit is what? It's got white sleeves and we've got out there on a kit that's got white sleeves You know, the, mo- just, the, the, was... most, the most distinctive thing about the Hibs kit was that Celtic stole it there is that (laughs) but no I I mean we we had the the bizarre state of affairs a couple of years ago or a good few years now where Scotland played um, England and because Scotland's kit was predominantly deemed predominantly white England had to play in red at at Hamden and we played in pink at Wembley listen carry this nonsense The, the Germans in the Bundesliga have got the right idea have three kits, but one of them has to be predominantly white. Therefore, if there's a, a, a kit clash, the choice of either wearing an away kit 
or a white kit. None of this. Oh, let's just turn up and see what we're, we're, we're going to wear for today. It's an absolute nonsense. As for the game, having watched it about two hours after, <laughs> or three hours after everybody else, I wasn't impressed with the strip. <laughs> but, um, I thought the, the Hibs fans had turned up in fancy dress, dressed as uh, chairs and seats. And <laughs> they certainly caught me out with that one. But um, it did have that end of season feel to it. The fact that some were running about with flip-flops, other had towels under their arms. It was like you're asking yourself, why are we, why are we going to the expense of making a trip to Edinburgh for this nonsense? And in the end, Rangers won easy. Alex, I hope nobody expects this podcast to finish within an hour with the three of us on tonight. <laughs> no, it no. will. I'm just going. I'm just That's going. I know we could actually keep it going just on the strips for the full hour. That, 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 that wouldn't be a problem, do you? I'm, I'm straight away wanting to talk to Stuart about how Hibs changed their kit. To, to the, they mimic the Arsenal white sleeves in the 1950s. It was Harry Swan that brought that in. And it was just Scotland were the same. They did it for a wee spell in the 1950s. That's why they brought I've got to power on here. This like the power of Washington. I've got to try and power through this agenda. Um, <laughs> this this next section is brought to you by Karcher. There are no other power. I was using a new fist tonight, actually, Stuart. Oh, as easy for you to say, sober. <laughs> right, lads, we, we, better, we better try and get back on we better try back on the, the actual agenda here Look, we, we lost Robbie Matondo in the warm-up we lost Scott Wright on Saturday night we lost Morelos and Kamara sometime yesterday this is this is Michael Bealham quote this is a language he was using in his, his uh, post-match interview his kind of explanation of our, our weekend bench was a bit like uh, reading out the casualties list from the song there was, only, there, was actually, there was actually only two changes to the starting 11 uh, from last Saturday but that was already a team missing kind of, so called big hitters like Morelis, um, Kent and Barisic. Uh, what's going on with the injuries, Dougie? What do you actually think is happening here? And, and how worried were you when you saw the bench today as much as the as much as the starting eleven? I think we lost a few of them a long time ago before this weekend, <laughs> I tell you that. Correct. Aye. Um, big big hitters know, was inverted commas there. Yeah. Uh, do, do, do you know, I, I wasn't feeling nervous at all when I seen the lining up and I don't know whether it's just because it's got that end of season feel. Um Second place is wrapped up. Although we want to, we want to overtake Celtic points total for last year. We want to finish the um, the, the the top six split with um, five victories for the first time in our history. We want to do all that stuff to build that momentum for next year. Part of me didn't care, you know. Part I keep saying part of me doesn't care. But at the same time, I decided not to take my kids to gymnastics and made the wife go so that I could sit and watch it on the TV. So whilst I say I don't care, I still sit there and I still. I still make those changes to my life so I can watch Rangers, which is just bonkers. Um, when I seen the team, though, probably no major surprises. I think the only one that kind of caught me off was Matondo, um, because pre-match we didn't we didn't know at that point that he, he'd picked up his knock. Um, other than that, we've heard the stories kind of midweek about Golden um, being crutches, for example, and um, it was good to get a bit of comfort from, from Michael Beale after the game that it's not 10 weeks he's out for, it's that 10 weeks until he plays his first game. Because mm-hmm. he should be out for six weeks and then four weeks of kind of pre-season and then ready for hopefully the, the Champions League qualifiers, which would be massive for us. Um, but no, I wasn't too surprised. I, I, I didn't expect to see the likes of Ryan Kent or Alfredo Morelos or Glenn Kamara in the starting 11, even if they were fit. To be honest, I think this is a perfect opportunity to see some of the guys that haven't played a lot of minutes um, throughout the season, what they're capable of. Also, just preparing for next year. I was, and I'm sure we'll get on to it, but I was absolutely delighted for Yanis Hadji today. Um, when I seen Yanis Hadji in the in the lineup today, I thought, good, 
good to get him some minutes and, and, and I felt so happy for him and um, I don't think there was anyone happier today than, than Yaris Hadji when he scored that goal. He looked over the moon and I think it's just a huge weight off his shoulders after a, a very tough period for, for a young footballer. Just a young guy who just wants to play football. Yeah, I think I mean like you're saying, Hadji's definitely an upgrade in Matondo. So that, that wasn't a big I don't think that was a big a big worry when we saw uh, Yanis in the the starting lineup. But uh, Stuart, we'd be no Connor Goldson, as Dougie's saying. Um John Suter still only started a handful of uh, games for his uh, Leon King was drafted in. You're thinking he might have got a PTSD after some of his experiences being depended under Geo. Uh, Robbie McCrory, only his fifth uh, first team start. We had a right to be worried, I think, about the defence, but but John Suter ends up being man of the match. Robbie McCrory finally concedes a goal, um, but it, for the first for the first team, but it's a time in the game it didn't really matter. Uh, how impressed were you by the defensive performance, especially considering that paucity of the the first team squad? I think everybody would feel positive going forward uh, if you were guaranteed, you know, Suter playing week in week out like that, and secondly, being fit enough to play week in week out like that. I mean, he. He, he he looked quite accomplished. He looked as I actually he also looked as if he was a calming influence defensively at times. You know, he was he was doing a bit of, a bit of talking amongst the, 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 the defenders. McCrory, uh I'm got I could sound like a broken record here. Right to start, you have to find out how good the guy is. For me, he he he's looking actually quite dependable without being spectacularly brilliant, if you know what I mean. But I think that might be a level of the matches that he's played in. I mean, if you keep a clean sheet against Celtic, a game that Rangers dominate, we've seen other Rangers goalkeepers chucking goals in, you know, like that. But it's, it, you know, I, I do think that he's a very capable goalkeeper. Um, having two goalkeepers on the bench, I mean... I mean, that was talk about safety first. That was <laughs> that was going above and beyond. But no, I mean, it also, I mean, it's a typified actually how desperate the situation was in terms of substitutes. Although, uh, you know, if neither of them came on or either of them came on, you couldn't really see them playing anywhere other than goalkeeper. It would have it would have turned it into the slowest defensive line in history if either had played at the back. But um, no, I mean, McCrory, I think Rangers and and him have both got decisions to make. Either he hangs about and Rangers bring in another goalkeeper, he plays second strength to them as part of a learning process, or he decides, well, if I'm not good enough to be first choice, I'm not going to be here. I think I think it's quite quite simple. Other goalkeepers, you know, as young as him, have have played senior senior games at a very, very high level. And and I think you've got goalkeepers, you have got to test them at that kind of level to see what they're they're what they're like. I, I still think he's a pretty dependable goalkeeper, more so than I ever thought that McLaughlin was going to be a guy who was going to take the gloves from McGregor whenever he chucked it. Aye, that's, uh, we come out today, we won like three corners in the first kind of four minutes. I think we hit the bar, uh, might have been Suter that hit the bar. Um, it looked a good start. And then next thing, Hibbs won about three corners in the next kind of four or five minutes. And Robbie McCrory flapped at one of them. Um, but he ends up, kind of, I quite like the idea that he's been kind of stress tested. It's, it's okay when, when young players have a smooth start to their career and then suddenly something goes wrong and they can't cope and they get kind of found out. He kind of come through that today, I thought. It does, um, does kind of commandeer his six-yard box, though. Unlike, unlike other goalkeepers, and I would say McGregor in this, 
who does flap at him simply because he will not come off his line. Whereas I think McCrory's got a bit more, it might be an age thing, um, that he does actually have a bit of mobility to him. Aye, as I say, Hibs, they kind of come back into the game in that wee period, but it was a bit of a lull, it wasn't really going anywhere, and they end up getting uh, the free kick. Uh, Todd Cantwell wins a kind of soft free kick, as we're we're told it was, uh, out on the left-hand side. I'm going to... now, Stuart, I know your opinions and, and James Tavernier, and I'm not, I'm not starting any arguments. I don't want to see you get. I don't want to see you getting the drinks in early. Um, I know we slightly differ on uh, Tav's legacy, but Dougie, I'm, I'm going to ask your opinion. On this um, it's his 400th appearance. He's back at the ground where he played for the first time uh, for Rangers, and he, he put a free kick into that exact same top corner that day in the in the Challenge Cup back in 2015. I think it was about seven minutes. It's the 39th minute, I think, back in 2015 in that game. We were one nothing down at the time. Uh, today it's the 32nd minute to put his one nothing up, an even better uh, free kick. To me, this is the argument. Stuart, Stuart and I slightly different on this. I do think he is a legend. You know, is that that today that that goal is that part of him proving um, just what kind of legend he is, if nothing else? I watched a podcast um, that was done. Was it the preview pod where we were talking about the road to Seville? And yeah. I, I sat the other night and I watched the highlights of the road to Seville. And it's not until you sit back sometimes and you watch it. James Tavernier carried this football club to a European final. Something that has only been done once in my lifetime with, with, with Manchester. Manchester for me was a bit of a fluke. We kind of, we, we, you know, typical Walter Smith, he, he, he masterminded us getting there. Now, you're going to kill me for that, right? But you were doing, he, you were doing well with the Tav stuff there, Dougie, then you just, you lost me there with the fluke stuff. Yeah, where's the jet wash? Is there a jet wash? <laughs> we, we, my point is, we, we earned the right to be there this time around in Sevilla. We, we, we outplayed some top teams. Forget the nonsense coming from across our side of the city about not playing top sides. We beat Borussia Dortmund. Um, and James Tavenier carried us. Um, James Tavenier is my current favourite Rangers player and he's my favourite Rangers player of the last 10 plus years. He's, he's fantastic. His numbers from right back are incredible. Michael Beale said it himself. As a footballer and as a man, he has... He's came on leaps and bounds. A lot of people unfairly say he can't defend because when he first joined, he, it was one of his weaknesses. I think James Tavernier is a far better defender than some people give him credit for. And it's an easy out for some people when they see his, 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 his numbers going forward. Um, do I think he's a legend? I think he's a Hall of Famer, obviously. Um, we had the conversation the night of the Hall of Fame. Um, I'm not going to put him down as a legend just yet. What I want from James Tavernier, and I think we've got an incredibly big chance to, to do it next year, is just more silverware. As the Rangers captain, I want to see him lift more silverware. Um, the league titles are must next year. I want I want to see him lift the silverware. If he wins a couple of league titles, a couple more cups, another European final, Alex, um, <laughs> I, I, will, I will happily put James Tavernier as a, cap, as, a, as a legend. Right now, I think he's a very worthy Hall of Famer. Um, I've just seen on the, the comments here just before we move on that it's the awards ceremony tonight. Um, he got Player of the Player of the Year. Malik Tillman got Young Player of the Year. I think um, there wasn't a lot of candidates for this year. He obviously started off quite slow. He's grown into it this year, particularly when Michael Beals came over. But I think he was the only kind of worthy winner of the, the Player of the Year. But the one thing that I would say about the awards tonight is um, Jimmy Bell got the John Gregg Achievement Award and that's just 
Absolutely fantastic, yeah. And that's uh, thanks for letting us know about that, Dougie. That's that, that, absolutely spot on. Good to know. Um, and it, just to show that I'm not trying to get somebody to, to help me gang up on Stuart. I think uh, Yule, the, the, the kind of outside left uh, position he was taking off for Hibs today, he did put Tav on his backside a couple of times. So it does look like there, there is, you know, um, some kind of credibility to the arguments that, that he can't defend. But Stuart, do you think it's um, the fact that things are so inverted these days? We've got, you know, kind of deep line centre forwards or, you know, false tens and inverted full backs and what have you. Is it just, is the way the game's played just now, almost like Tav's 100, he's basically in a goal, a goal every uh, four games for Rangers. Mm. That's almost a sign of where he's defending starting, is, you know, putting the ball in the back of the net up the other end of the park. I think I I still think that his figures are canted, and as as much as how poor Rangers have been at times over the period that he's been there, and and, and, and people can say what they like, and nothing will make me deviate from that. I think he has been an extremely good player as an attacking option for Rangers when Rangers have struggled at times. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in, in terms of either carving out chances or scoring goals the the whole thing about him being uh, taking a lot of penalties, he does and he converts them pretty well but his record from free kicks is absolutely astounding you know, it, it, you know I, I saw a sort of a real assurial of some of the free kicks that he scored during his time at, at, at Rangers and they've been incredible I don't think if listen if he if he wins a, another couple of league titles and gets Rangers to another European uh, Cup uh, final of any way or you know, any shape or form it could be the Gala Week tournament I don't care I will get an I love Tav tattoo seriously but so therefore I'm not going to put any Ink Masters out there on standby because I don't think it will happen the word legend is banded about far far too often in sport in 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 general you know for me when it comes to you know rangers legends i can think maybe 20 maybe 30 rangers legends if you consider the entire team that won the cup winners cup to be legends that then reduces that figure so you've only got about another 19 people to sort of select from i think i think it's a very select bunch Hall of Fame, I don't have an issue with that. I, I Honestly, much as I think he struggles defensively, you would still have him in there for his goal contribution. One in every four. There's some strikers would would bite your arm off for that um, yeah. sort, of, sort of record. But um, I thought his goal today, and I've heard people saying, oh, the, the goalkeeper misread it. He thought he was going to flash it across the goals. It doesn't matter whether the goalkeeper misread it or, or whether it was dangling off the crossbar and hanging around at the post at the same time. That ball was going in at that near post. Tavernier, it wasn't a mishit by him. He meant that. He's done it too often for it to be a, a mishit or a mistake or an error or blame the goalkeeper. So give credit where credit's due. And it was a fantastic goal for Rangers. Came at the right time when they needed a goal to to break the deadlock. And how many times have you said that about Tavernier? Absolutely. Dougie, um, Raskin went off just before we scored our second goal. Uh, but I'm, this is the second week in a row I think we've played. It looks like a diamond to me, uh, a midfield diamond. A few other people saying this where we've got um, Raskin sitting at the base of it and you've got Jack and Lundstrom 
uh, kind of playing either side, if you like. And then Cantwell was very much the, the 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 kind of sharp tip of that diamond, almost like a centre forward at times. He's basically he's basically everywhere. Todd Cantwell. I, I I'm getting carried away. It's, like it's an end of, end of season stuff, but I feel as if we're capable of pretty much doing anything if we've got that kind of uh, midfield uh, diamond there. Cantwell get booked again, but he scores again. How kind of vital was his aggression and his way of playing to this team's progress? And do you think this midfield diamond is as much as the shape, it's what the manager's doing, how he's setting the team out as much as the personnel that actually you know are used in it? I think on the shape, Alex, um, it was the first time we've seen it against Celtic at Ibrox, I think. Um, yeah. when, we, when we lined up with um, Jack Lundstrom and Raskin, I'll be honest, I thought it was very defensive and I was a wee bit concerned about how much um, control of the game would have in the final third. Um, one of the things that I really like right now is that Michael Beale seems to be a manager that doesn't have a plan A and you know plan B is to do plan A better. He's, he's a manager that does play with different types of tactics for different games. And um, I like that, especially as we, we face European football next year. I think we'll need to, to flex our, our, our formations depending on the opposition. And I think what we're seeing just now is him flexing his formation based on the players that are available to him. So I, I really like that. I think what we're seeing right now is that it's it's given um, certain players um, the opportunity to, to to showcase their abilities in a different formation. Um, Cantwell was one. The other one, Sakala as well. I don't think Sakala works in a 4-3-3 as your number nine um, in that kind of old-fashioned style. Um but I think he works in the diamond formation as that kind of lone striker that just runs about because he's got the support coming from, from various different players behind him. But on Todd Cantwell, I said earlier on that James Tavernier is my favourite Rangers player. Todd Cantwell, if he carries on the way that he's going right now, he's going to overtake him very, very quickly. Um, but I don't think he'll be a Rangers player for very long if he carries on at the trajectory that he has just now. I, I think we had a conversation um, on Twitter after we signed Cantwell, and I remember saying I thought it was a, a great singing. Um, there was an element of risk towards it because he was a bit off form at, at Norwich. Um, but this is a guy that was ripping it up in the English Premiership at one point, and he, he was regularly scoring against some of the top teams in English football. He was just going through a period where he, he was out of favour by the manager because of his style, which is completely bonkers to me because I had this imagination that when Todd Cantwell came, he was going to be a um, a luxury player. And, and it turns out that the best thing about Todd Cantwell is he rolls his sleeves up, he gets stuck in and he works really hard, tracking back. I, I, I'm blown away by, by that side of Todd Cantwell's game. Um, the goal itself, Andy Walker, for the first time ever, I, I actually agreed with what, what Andy Walker said when the ball hit the net. It's just Todd Cantwell being in the right place at the right time. And how many times this season alone have we had opportunities in the six-yard box where a ball spills out and there's just nobody there. Um, Todd Cantwell seems to be one of these guys right now that's, that's really flourishing at Rangers. Um, he's enjoying playing under the pressure. I think he's enjoying playing with the fans behind him. Um, and I think he's now he's now finding his place in the team. And I think that place in the team is, is one of our key players. Um, there's very few players, in my opinion, in our current team right now that walk into the Celtic team. Todd Cantwell is one of them, and Todd Cantwell is the player that you build next season around, and he's the reason why when I start to look ahead to the summer and the recruitment, I get excited because, one, we've, we've recruited players of the level of Todd Cantwell and Nico Raskin this year, and two, we've got players of that calibre to, to, to uh, build a side around 
when you consider you've also got guys like Tav and Golden and Suter that are all beginning to to really um, flourish in this this Rangers team. I think I think there's a lot of optimism right now, and let's hope when we um, we get to Wednesday that optimism continues. Yeah, I think Ryan Jack as well, uh, who obviously signed the extension to his contract this week. I think when he came on, although he's playing and in front of Ras- Raskin, if you like, I think he platforms that whole setup. I think it's. I don't think we've seen John Lundstrom playing as well as he has in the last couple of games this season. I think he's, it gives him a freedom. I don't think John Lundstrom, I think he either likes to be in defence, you know, playing centre-half, or Alex, I, I just bombing on. There was a point in, the, in the, the, the game, second half, John Lundstrom found himself left wing, and he put the ball round the player and actually outpaced him. I nearly fell off my chair, because John, John Lundstrom this year has been a you know a pass-back merchant. He's literally, every time he's got the ball... For the first six months of the year, he would just pass it back and take the safe option. All of a sudden, we are seeing a fit John Lindstrom. And, you know, you mentioned earlier on about... Um, I lost what I said, I thought. But we were talking earlier on about Michael Beal and what he's brought to this team. Um, one of the things that, that's a big difference between... Uh, it was the injuries. We were talking about the injuries. One of the big things I think Michael Beal is bringing to us right now is a level of fitness. And I think it's coming from the training ground. You know, you look at Gio and the comments coming out from the likes of Scott Arfield from, from pre-season about we didn't do a lot of running. That was the, that was the alarm bells for me. Very early doors um, this season when you were hearing players like Scott Arfield come out and say they weren't doing a lot of running. You're seeing a much fitter Rangers and that's that's where we were successful last year. We were successful because we were, we were able to keep that intensity going for 90 minutes. So I, I'm really excited about pre-season because I think Guys like, like Lindstrom, for instance, I, I think he'll still be here next year. But given these guys a full pre-season under Michael Beale to you, you know work on their, their fitness, work on their tactics, I think I think there's a lot of optimism right now, or a lot of reason to be optimistic. Absolutely. I think the, the fitness has been patently obvious to me all season, or the lack thereof. And it'd be all, if we have a, a setback under Beale, it's one of the first things he's mentioned this summer. This summer, I think he's telling us we've got to get a pre-season into them, a proper pre-season. Stuart, that, that second goal I'm talking about today, um, it was Lundstrom out on the right-hand side, just around about the halfway line. He played a lovely ball forward, um, and there was Fashion Sakala doing, his, he, he tore hips to pieces from the left flank. The last time he played them at Easter Road, I think he tore hearts to pieces from the right flank at, at Timecastle this season, and there he was going through the middle. Back to goal, almost in a penalty spot, nodding it back. A beautiful run uh, from Yanis Hadji, really intelligent. And I think Hadji showed, I, again, you, you, I, what's, what's the foot version of ambidextrous? Ambipedstrous, I don't know, what, what is it? We, we can't work out, is he left-footed, right-footed? And he kept that going the day, but he hit it by one foot. I think he was simultaneously claiming for a penalty and shooting the second time from the rebound uh, with his other foot. It goes into the bottom corner, as Dougie was saying earlier, just one of the most emotional moments of the season. Those two players... Sakala, much maligned as well. Yanis uh, Hadji out for so long. Are we keeping them? You know, uh, fitness wise with Hadji, is he going to? Pr- it was always, it was never the, the fastest player anyway. He was quiet, kind of almost posted missing for the first kind of half hour or so today. Is he a guy we're going to keep? Fashion Sakala, is he doing enough as well to be kept? Personally speaking, I think yes, and and both um, sort of subject. I, I mean, if you look at Sakala to start with, he can play wide or he can play through the middle up front. So it gives you kind of an option there of one guy doing two jobs on the bench. He might not be a starter, 
Um, but he might be somebody who you can bring off as a, a, a or bring on as an impact player. Mm. Hadji, I think the emotion just got to him about how long he'd been. I, I think nah. you know players players who have had injuries for long periods of time. There's a lot of them are very very bold and brave and and sort of ballsy when it comes to talking about their injuries. And I always knew I would come back. Years later, after they're usually retired, and you speak, you ask them the same question. There is all always almost a, a huge question mark or a doubt with these guys, and how people handle injuries or long term injuries is, is is often the making of the person as a as a player, you know. And um, I think you look, people look at guys that are indestructible um, in in Rangers history, but you'll find a lot of them had long periods of time where they were actually out with sometimes dubious injuries. I mean, look at Richard Goff. I mean, I remember doing a graphic evening times of all the things that Richard Goff had broken or, or injured or damaged during his first couple of years at Ibrooks. It was incredible. Yeah. Stuart McCall was another one who could disappear. Ian Ferguson, and I, I mentioned this before, was seldom fit in about the first two years that he was at Rangers. And all of a sudden, so I grew into a man, and uh, you know, never missed a game thereafter. So I, I think these two guys, Rangers, stick with these guys. The other thing that makes me say that is that if you're going to have the churn and players that Rangers are predicting, there are some guys, whether you think whether you like it or not, are going to have to be mainstays and go-to guys if other guys are getting shown the door, and those two maybe fall into that category. They might fall into that category because Rangers have shed other bodies, but I think that they've done enough to actually maintain their, their place within the Ibrox squad. Well, well can I, I'll stay with you, Stuart, and can I segue into that, uh, the transfers on the back of today's game. We, we got the third goal, lovely moves. I say Sakala come back deep for that, and it was, it was a lovely move up the park down the, down the right-hand side, and eventually, as, as we were saying, Todd Cantwell, puts it away for a smash moment. I have never seen a stadium emptying as quick in my life, the other three stands. That green flare that came on, I was saying this in the, the reaction pod, I think that might actually be like the, the Hibs version of the PA system. It was like, get out, get out. They absolutely emptied the place. It was fantastic to watch. Um, it was going to echo in like it was in 55, during the 55 season, we're playing with nobody in the stands. Um, but the, the Hibs, they, they pulled one back and uh, we, we brought on, by this point, we brought on like Alec Lowry, um, Aaron Lyle, Ross McCausland, you know, uh, Robbie Ewer, been brought in all the kind of academy players. I think, and, and there's John Souter bollocking. I think it was Robbie Ewer for not picking up his man, but I think it might actually have been Leon King uh, that kind of let him go. But Leon King, shaky wee start, but he, he, he come through it well. Souter, absolutely fantastic. Does that performance from Souter today, does it, with the Goldson injury, does it give us any, any hope that we can manage without Goldson or? particularly with the manager talking about playing three at the back quite a lot, are we needing to get in at least one, maybe two new centre-halves for next season? Well, I, 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 I thought, first of all, getting back to this time last year, I thought Suter was immense in the cup final, uh, playing for Hearts. Yeah. And there has been nothing since then, other than the last couple of games, to suggest that he's anything like the player that you saw in that cup final. Through injuries, through not being selected and all the rest of it. Uh, you know, I, I'll say it once more. If he can maintain his level of fitness, he can play the game. There's no doubt about it. He, he can play the game. I think it's all going to be down to, the, to how fit he is. And it might mean that the Rangers then have to... Um, 
manages workload that he's not playing every, every game. I mean, maybe we need to give him a game to kind of rest up now and again. But if if you were going to get that level of performance from him week in, week out, he would actually be one of your starters. Forget this, pick him in a two or a three or whatever it is, he would actually be one of the first names down in the sheet. And, and Dougie, what do you think? On, on staying with the defence, on the goalkeeping front, you know, the, the question we've all been talking about, we're talking about it earlier, uh, Robbie McCrory, do we still need, that's one goal he's conceded in, you know, basically five starts for the first team, but over the course of two years, Still, I'm still kind of 50-50 on him. Um, do you think we still need like Jack Butland to wants to basically you know pay us to to play for us? And uh, you know, thanks for bigger than Manchester United. That's how I was taking it anyway. Do we need that experience keeper in as cover? But should or should we be keeping Robbie McCrory on as a number two and and John McLaughlin and Alan McGregor kind of kind of head out the door? Well, Ross McCrory can uh, have the bragging rights at the McCrory dinner table that he's the only McCrory finally. Brother. Who's now got a clean sheet history at, uh, at Rangers. It was going to happen um, someday, wasn't it? <laughs> ah, that's a good one. Um, do, do you know, I just want competition for places throughout the team, Alex. I don't want anybody in this this team next season to, to think that the, the position's safe in the team. I also, uh, whilst I want to to bring in young players who, have, who are sellable assets, there is an absolute need to bring in players who have experience both experience in playing the game, but experience in winning as well. And there's no position better than, than in goals for signing somebody with experience. I don't expect Alan McGregor to be here next year, obviously. Um, I'm also not expecting John McLaughlin to be here next year. I think we will have three goalkeepers. Robbie McCrory will be one of them. Kieran Wright will be the other one. Um, and I expect us to sign a third goalkeeper my personal preference is to sign somebody British and somebody a bit older. And for that reason, Jack Butland ticks a lot of boxes. He also ticks a big, massive box because he's uh, he's free. Um, you know, we, we, we have a, a huge summer uh, ahead of us of, of recruitment. We're going to have to sign a number of free players because we can't go out and drop four or five million pounds on, on every single position. But, but on, on the central defence piece, um, we already know we're losing Hollander. Um, I expect us to lose Davies in the summer as well. I think we, I think we will sell Davies in the summer. I think we will sign a left-sided central back, and I'll even put a name on it and say I expect us to sign Austin Trusty from Arsenal. There's just for me, there's never any smoke without fire, um, and there's a lot of stories um, around both in America and down south about Rangers having serious interest in Trusty. I also think that the rumours at defence around Dijon Sterling are, are, are true. Um, Michael Beale kind of said today that he's expecting to, take, to say um, on Tuesday before the game on Wednesday who is leaving. Yeah. And he also said that there may be a new face announced at Ibrox Cowd on Wednesday night as well. Now, my guess would be Kieran Dill, but all rumours suggest that Dijon Sterling is, is I think it's Dijon. Um, has signed a contract with us as well another pre-contract player but one of the real benefits of someone like Sterling is he is a utility man he is flexible and I think yeah. particularly what we've just spoken about there in terms of Goldson's currently injured he's he's, he's he's going to be kind of out for six weeks need to come back um, Suter has had his problems I expect us to be playing Sunday Thursday um, post Christmas next year that's the, that's the aim right? Yeah. Um, so we're going to have to have numbers and competition in places. Sterling gives us that utility player that can cover right, 
back, left back and centre back. And that's why I like him as a signing as well. I think we need that flexibility and some players that can, can cover a number of positions. So there's there's three names that I've, I've plucked from nowhere. I think we will sign Jack Butland, Austin Trusty and Dijon Sterling, all for uh, in goals and defence. You heard it here first, folks, Stuart. Um, that's uh, Dougie just getting warmed up in his favourite subject there. I'm going to let him run riot uh, in a wee second, but can I ask you first, that we'll, we'll deal with the, kind of the most straightforward ones, uh, Malik Tillman. Um, the, as Dougie's just told us, he's, he's got the Rangers Young Player of the Year tonight. He won the, the, the SPFA Young Player of the Year award uh, last week as well. He said himself he's 50-50 whether he'd stay or not. I wasn't encouraged by his uh, wee interview there. I think he was just kind of dialing back for the sake of politeness. He looks like he wants to leave uh, to me. But it's hard to tell. He's a kind of a quiet guy uh, by nature. Do you think he's going to stay? Do you think he even wants to? And uh, if, is it going to be worth it? Because this, I'm hearing that Bayern might be putting a buyback clause uh, into it if we're going to sell to us. Uh, listen, I, I think... He is a kind of, for want of a better description, a kind of unique talent. And I made the point. I, I made the point on here before when other people were slating and berating the guy. He is a Bayern Munich player. Yeah. Who was, who was the last player that left Scotland to go and join Bayern Munich? You know what I mean? It doesn't. It doesn't happen. It's not as if they're running buses here, there, you know, to 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 take people from Scotland. Never mind Bayern Munich to the Bundesliga. So the, the guy is at a level that far outstrips the vast majority of players playing in Scotland currently. If he wants to go somewhere else, he can go somewhere else. He's got enough, I think he's got enough belief in his own ability and enough talent as well. Do I think he would make a great Rangers player? Yes, I do, because I think we've already seen that. But I, I do think this is almost like it's almost like drawing one of those kind of Venn diagrams of of where he wants to be, where he thinks he should be, where he might end up and what the options might be. You know, I think if it was a case of Bayern saying, right, you can go, just leave, he might have different options to weigh up. I think the fact that he's actually been at Ibrox first and played for Rangers might actually tip the balance. But then again, you just don't know with players and what they're, priorities might be not just as players but also as individuals in terms of lifestyle and the likes so personally I think it would be a, a good acquisition for Rangers but I ain't you know hanging any hats or jackets on it put it that way I think the idea that uh, is it worth it in terms of what we'd recoup in a transfer fee is kind of it's a kind of bogus argument I mean this season he's already basically got us through two rounds in Europe it got us into the Champions League uh, for the first time uh, in a long time, that was the, the, the big goal at the end of last season. Anyway, we're, we're not talking about it so much after what happened to us in that Champions League group stage, but the boy got us in there. Um, I think he's an absolutely fantastic player. I think what he would win for us and what he could do for us. And, you know, it, it takes the, the transfer he would get from in the future out of the question. And also, I think he would come back next season and a few of the, the players, you know, not naming names, Alfredo, um, would, that have kind of set this atmosphere perhaps in the dressing room of uh, kind of a bit of malingering or whatever, they'd be gone and Talman would be kind of middle level in the kind of rankings in the in, in the dressing room. Dougie, I can see you champing at the bit there, I'm going to, I'm going to let you run right here. As you not, say, before the I, not, not before I come in, just to say... You do it. Sorry, very, very quickly. Talman has actually pr proven what a good player he is at that particular level in Europe. Aye. I hope I hope Dougie was going to say that and I've absolutely spiked him on that one. But he has. So they so they don't they do 
Other clubs that are out there are interested in him. Don't suddenly need him to do another dress rehearsal playing for Rangers in the Champions League. They know what he can do. So yeah. almost by kind of default, he's actually put other clubs in with a sniff at him because of what he's achieved at Rangers through the performances he's, he's put in in Europe. Over to you, Dougie. <laughs> Dougie, I'm just going to say, I, I don't think there's any question about Tillman about whether we should buy him or not. I just he, he looks like a, a boy with a world at his feet like him might have already had enough of playing the same team, you know, four times a season or whatever. Right. He might think he could, right. he, could, he could do better, but uh, it's, it's a no-brainer uh, as far as whether we should bring him or not if we could. But as you say, the manager said on Friday in his press on Friday there will be announcements, you know, after today's, today's game about who's going to be leaving. Um, I'll, I'll just I'll just hit you with a big question, Dougie. Who do you think staying? Who do you want to stay? Who do you think's leaving? Who do you want to leave? And, and I, was going to mention, I was going to mention uh, Jose Cifuentes because uh, me and Stuart would be thinking uh, Jimmy Smith was going to come, was going to come walking into the walking the, the dressing room with, with Corbin Bernson, perhaps as, as his agent. It's a, an LA Law reference, Dougie. You'll, you'll remember LA Law is a fantastic. The fact he's coming for LAFC really, really nails it as well. But um, aye, so do you think he's, I have here my client? <laughs> I know what Stuart's talking about there. That's a brilliant reference, Dougie. You're totally missing out on something. <laughs> Especially if you didn't have been so young. Um, who do you think staying, mate? Who do you, who do you, th- who do you want to stay in the same for uh, the Leavers? Um, I know, to be here all night, Stuart, to be honest. I, I, I think what I'll say, Alex, is from the players out of contract in the summer, I think we've, we've offered the player the contract that we expect to be here next year, Ryan Jack. You, you know, you can have so many people question why we gave Ryan Jack the contract. Going back to the comments about Suter earlier on, um, these are guys that have had their injury problems, but when they play, they are so key to us. And if we can bring in the right players that, that complement the squad, um, you know, Suter should be challenging Golden, for example. Cifuentes should be challenging Jack, for example. Um, or Raskin should be challenging Jack if you've got Cifuentes and Raskin as you have kind of two midfielders with Cantwell in front of them. Um, it should hopefully kind of lighten the load and some of these guys not not rely on them as much and therefore we get more out of them. So hopefully next year, um, we, we you know, I, I, I agree with this, uh, keeping Ryan Jack. Um, whilst I, I would have potentially liked to keep other players for various different reasons, Morelos Kent, because I think it's sacrilege that we're losing two players of that quality for nothing. Um, I, think, I think we won't. I think everyone is out of contract and they will leave, and that includes Scott Arfield. Um, interestingly, we're talking about Cifuentes coming one way in a transatlantic flight. I expect Scott Arfield to probably go the other way and, yep. and, and spend some time in the MLS. Um, after that, then, who, who, do I, who do I expect to be here? I think from a starting a living perspective, I think we will build the starting a living around, you know, Tavs, Goldson, Cantwell, Raskin. Um, those are the key players for me that... that are absolutely um, first picks, so to speak, as we go into next year. There's a couple of other players that you can then question mark around that team, whether they've got a, a place or not. Um, I mentioned Davies earlier on, I mentioned in goals. I think at left back, Gilmatz is doing a, a pretty good job right now of convincing the manager he's got a long-term future at this football club. Yeah. Um, Bonner is in a similar position to John Lundstrom, where they've only got 12 months left in the contract. I expect... And I hope we, we enter into discussions with those players around what their future lies because we should not be losing guys like Borna Barisic for nothing in 12 months' time. So a decision is to be made whether you keep Borna Barisic here 
longer term or whether you move them on this summer. Personally, if Yomats is, is, is starting to nail down that spot, I would move Borna on. But I think I'm in total agreement with what you said earlier on, Alex, around um, there's such a big transformation in this squad right now. You can't ship everyone out because it would completely disrupt the harmony. And I know that as supporters, because this season has been unsuccessful at all levels at Rangers, um, including the, the ladies team um, today, our congratulations to Glasgow City. Yeah, um, yeah. I think we all demand changes right now. But I don't think we can change everything because the dressing room would be a shambles. Um, so I think some players might be here that we potentially um, would hope not to be. But having said that, the one position, in my opinion, that has let us down this season is our front line. Um, we've spoken so much about some of the quality players in our team, and you're looking at it right now with Raskin and Cantwell um, in the midfield. I just think we don't have the quality in the final third right now. Um, certainly we don't have the numbers in the final third. The only player that's actually given his numbers is Fashion Sakala. Um, and I've seen people criticising Sakala on, on the comments when, when Stuart had mentioned about, about keeping him, for example. Um, that's the position there that I would literally empty the tank. I would literally get rid of everyone that's that's in, in that forward line, with the exception of um, Sakala. I would also try and sign um, Tillman. Um, on the basis of Tillman can cover a number of positions, and I'm with Stuart. I think he is just a quality right now with, with Tillman because he's not been great recently. Yeah. But I think a lot of people are forgetting just how good Malik Tillman was in that first six months of the season. And um, Cholak got um, goal of the season for his, his goal um, against PSV in the first leg. Um, my vote was actually Tillman's solo effort against Motherwell. You could argue that Tav's free kick against Celtic was a, a strong contender, but Tillman just strolled past that. An entire Motherwell team as if they weren't there. So I'd keep I'd, I'd be looking to sign Tillman and I'd be looking for us to to go and, and spend big money on our um on our forward line, particularly left left wing and up front. Um and we're going to need numbers as well. If you go and you empty all of them that are in there, except from potentially Sakala, you're going to have to bring in bring in numbers. So um, that's the key position for me next season is I think we're starting to see that foundation. In defence and midfield right now, we need to see a front three next season that, that scores a lot of goals. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm going to um, quickly move on. Uh, it's, I could talk about the transfers all night, Dougie. It's, that, it's getting to that time of season where it, where it needs to be done. I mean, that's, that's the thing we're all wanting to get into. But I think a lot of fans are also, especially earlier in this season, were uh, unhappy with the boards. They actually ended up hounding out a couple of directors, if you like. And one of the things we're really unhappy with was uh, the lack of uh, fan engagement, the lack of news um, coming from, lack of information coming from the board. Well, I think they certainly, we certainly got that on Thursday and Friday last week when uh, James Bisgrove was doing more talking to in-house mainstream and fan media than, than even Michael Beale was. And we know Michael likes a chat. Um, Stuart, do you think it was necessary for James Bisgrove to come out like that and like, have the interview with the uh, Rangers TV on Thursday and then a good 17 minutes talking to the media at large uh, on Friday? And do you kind of trust what he was saying and, and, and think he'll, he'll deliver? At first point, I think he has to come out and say something. First of all, to justify his position. Secondly, to make it look as if he's actually thinking about the job. Uh, and thirdly, to gain a bit of relevance. Um, I think he'll do it. I wasn't quite sure if they were his words or whether he borrowed them from uh, J.K. Rowling or Hans Christian Andersen. 
I think I think he he probably talked a Champions League type scenario and some of the things he was saying. I think if you break it down, I mean, we literally could spend the next 24 hours debating each point, you know, right. saying that he wants 60,000 MyJers membership. Why? There's not a stadium in Scotland other than Celtic Park and Murrayfield holds 60,000. So I, I know you're gesturing there to give it money, but what's the point? What's the point of, of people buying? And I, I, this is maybe my gripe. What's the point of buying a membership for my jers when you don't see any tickets? And then the tickets you do want, you've not accrued enough points or, you know, to, to then get the tickets that you actually want for cup ties or cup finals or European matches and the likes. It's almost like, we'll take your money, thanks very much, come back next year and see if you've moved up the queue any. I, I mean, that bit I don't see. The, the bit about Ibrooks and, um, you know, well, maybe making Ibrooks bigger, the, the 72,000 capacity when it's 50,000. That was, that was Willie Waddle's dream. He designed the Ibrooks around the Westfalen Stadium in, in Germany after the 1974 World Cup, after everything that happened to, to Rangers with the Ibrooks disaster. He saw, he saw the future of football before anybody else did. Why, through the, the hard lessons of life and what can happen to football fans at a football match. So the design um, was there. Rangers just didn't scale it up sufficiently to hold the... Eighty thousand or whatever it is now that um, the Westfalen Stadium actually actually holds. Do I think Rangers could do that? Let me let me give you a, a, a bit of insight here. David Murray built the a, the club deck tier on Rangers, and it was over budget. Why? Because when they started doing the piling into the uh, into the ground around the main stand, they found themselves basically drilling down into the silt beds of the Clyde from tens of thousands of years ago. So to do that, they then had to fill it with concrete uh, and reinforce everything before they could actually build anything around it. You're not going to tell me that that was just uh, Edmondson Drive, that, that that silt bed was there. It'd be right round Ibrox. So therefore, anything you do to try and scale up Ibrox is going to come at a cost and it could be a far greater cost. It could it could put the Scottish Parliament in the, any ferries that you might want to build, and it, to, to shame because it could cost an absolute absolute fortune. Yeah, building a, a seventy thousand or an eighty thousand seater stadium would be absolutely incredible. But you you have to look at it in light of where Scottish football is, where Rangers are, and you know how how, how fans or supporters who have desperately tried to be jump onto the bandwagon or jump onto the train um, to, to help Rangers have actually been treated over the last couple of years. And I don't think some of them will come back and, and decide to join the queue, regardless of what the capacity is at Ibrox. Yeah. Dougie, you, you and I uh, met um, and in an environment, shall we say, that, that uses the kind of jargon um, that James Bisgrove seems to be very fluent in. And I think that's why someone, like myself anyway, is inclined to mistrust him. He's speaking, you know, I, I mean, I, 
I can I don't want to show up. I can give you bits of Shakespeare. I can I can tell you every team that's won every European club trophy going. I can memorize anything, but I had to when Brian was asking me about James Bisgrove in Friday night's preview pod, I had to write down an idiot board some of his quotations because I cannot speak that language. The, the, the blue sky lounge, the blue sky thinking, all that kind of jargon. But I have, I'm really torn with this um, when it comes to the whole Bisgrove approach. I think he has delivered in terms of, as the commercial market manager, he's, he's talking about profits and all that, he's getting them up. And when he, the whole Australia-friendly thing, we, we all fell out with him about that. But he was brought there to make money, and he's like so driven to do that for us. After everything that happened in 2012, I can see why. I'm really, I don't like like like, uh, like Stuart and like, like Colin, uh, Mr. Jersnet, don't like the MyGel scheme, but just the idea of it, you have to pay for the right to pay and you have to pay for the right to have your loyalty taken note of, that uh, your past loyalty. It doesn't seem right, but it's the way the top-end clubs are working. Um, it's the same for all the clubs down south, for example. And after what we went through in 2012, we don't want to ever be trailing money-wise again. Edmiston House, I'm so proud of. He's delivered on that, you know, and it's, it's, still, getting, it's, it's still getting finished off, but he's, he's delivered on that. Is he is this, is this a sign that the club are moving in the right direction behind the scenes? Is it taking it too far away from the supporters, or are we doing what needs to be done to make us, as Bisgrove was saying, the dominant club in Scotland again? I think Bisgrove's probably the only senior executive Rangers in the last couple of years that can actually say they've achieved their objectives. He was set out to make money for the football club, and you were talking about the capacity earlier on. I've got a mate that's got a, a, a table inside the Blue Sky Lounge, and he invited me along for a game earlier in the season. It's unreal, Alex. It's it's top class. The, the the facilities there are brilliant. The view that you get um, when you go out to your seats absolutely um, incredible. That's the kind of thing that, that that's bringing money into our club as well. You know, people might scoff at the fact that we've got really expensive seats with Gordon Ramsay serving his food and, and all this good stuff. The amount of money that that brings into Rangers is incredible. And the people that are sitting at those seats, if I think of my mate that's there, for example, they've got money to spend. Because my mate, when I was sitting at the, the Celtic game, uh, I noticed his company name going around the stadium, for example. I was then texting him after the game saying that looked incredible. And I was saying, what are you going to do next year? Are you going to sponsor a player? And he said, there's not a single player left to be sponsored for next year. Even the guys that haven't signed yet, you know, the, 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 there's already a queue of people queuing up to, to sponsor them. He said, the only opportunity that I see next season is um, the B team. There's, there's a slot on the shirt um, for, for, for sponsorship. And, and I think that's where we are heading right now. Is it anywhere that you can put a sponsor on? I think Box T have got a new big bit inside the stadium as well. I've seen online. I think Bisgrove is literally looking all opportunities and all avenues to be able to bring money into the club. The My Gears one, I, I, I've spoken before about I'm, I'm a wee bit kind of sick, fed up with supporters being taken a, a, a ride by the club and we're seen as customers and not supporters. Is this major thing for me? We're, we're, we're there to support a football club. It's not a business. We're not we're not buying something from here without that kind of emotional attachment that we have. Um, but my years, I, I think when, when my years was introduced, the thing that was in my head, and I can't remember who said it, but season ticket holders are the ones that regularly put the money into the club. And the only way that you can guarantee income and guarantee more income is by continually increasing the the, the, the season ticket costs. I think that MyGears does, and although I, I get Stuart's point around why would you have a, a MyGears membership when you have number 60,000 down the line and there's you know, 50,000 season tickets being sold and 
Um, you, you can only get 25,000 into Hamden on CCCS. Why would you even be a member? I think the reason why people are members is they want to feel like they're contributing regularly to the club. I get you can go out and buy merchandise, but it's just that attachment there of, you know, I am a Rangers fan. And you get your loyalty points, whether we, we kind of like mock it or not. I think some people might look at it and say, uh, particularly if you're living overseas, that's your that's your kind of catchment and, 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 and attachment to the club is that you can see I'm still contributing to my dealers, I'm still getting this sent over to me, here's my loyalty points, I'm doing my bit. And whilst we might get frustrated at times because we are taking as much money as we possibly can, it's all money that's got into the club and it's all money that's making sure that we don't go down the same route as 2012 and we we minimise the risk of having to, to bring in a, a very rich um, oil billionaire from, from a country that we don't want involved in or, 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 or the risk attached to bringing somebody in who's not a Rangers man. Um, personally, I'm all for any avenues that brings in that money and that security it gives the football club. Stuart, I, um, you, you've, you've touched on it already uh, with the, the, the possible expansion of Ibrox and what have you. Um, and one of the things that was put to Bisgrove on Friday, uh, Brian and I tried to talk, we're talking about this on, on, on Friday, but there was, there was so much to, to go through. We didn't get a chance to touch on the safe standing um, Willie Waddle, <laughs> as you say, Ibrox is his legs. I think David Holmes said that when he came in as, as chief executive of Marlborough. There is a wee plaque um, just uh, on the, the, the Copeland Road stand, uh, just next to the shop, really, the, the original Rangers shop, one of the, original, the, the one in between the, the Copeland and the, the Govan. But he said that Ibrox itself was the, the kind of tribute to those, those fans who lost their life in the, the, the 2nd of January uh, 1971. And I think when, when, when Willie Waddle died, I know we're, we're going over the hour, folks, I'm just going to quickly go through this. But Willie Waddle died in October 1992. Two amazingly coincidental things happened to me, quite poignant. It was the first game was against Hibs. We won one nothing. Nally McCoy, a guy who went on to play for Kilmarnock as Willie Waddle would manage that. A media man, same as, as, as Willie Waddle. A guy who was more famous for, um, like, he didn't win the league as Rangers manager, Nally McCoy, neither did Willie Waddle. But the two of them dealt with the club. They, they carried the club through something much more important than that. Um, Ali McCoy scored the only goal of the game against Hibs, the team who you know were Waddles, the main rivals to Rangers in, in Waddles' heyday in the 50s. And our next game, a week after Wally Waddle passed away, was against Leeds to see who was the best team in Britain, basically, in the Battle of Britain. And we had the best stadium in Britain. And I thought, Wally Waddle must be watching this, just thinking, job done. You know, I've got the fans, at the safe, it's the safest stadium in Europe. They were... We're a European winning club because Willie Waddle made sure we had a European trophy under our belt and he gave us that stadium as well. And in that stadium, the thing I remember from that night as I was in the front of the government, the noise, it was white noise, it was unbelievable. I never heard noise like it. And the, the east and west enclosure were like a trampoline. They were bouncing up and down like nothing you've ever seen because for 15 or so years after Ibrox redeveloped to Willie Waddle's remit, we had standing, we had terracing. You know, and it was safe. I've wanted to, I've, I've fantasised about increasing the capacity of Ibrox up to 72,000 by putting tears. You couldn't do that now, as, as you see, without expanding because safe, safe seating, safe standing incorporates as much space almost as, as safe sitting. Is there any way Rangers sh should even be looking at safe standing, given the reasons Ibrox has redeveloped, as you say? Is there a way we can do it? Uh, I think, I think people could make the argument for it. Uh, in, in terms of, well, other people are going in that direction. But the only reason that other people are going in that direction 
is that they're having to follow Rangers' lead because Rangers went a direction that you wouldn't wish upon anybody. Correct. Absolutely. Well said. I think I think we're going to leave it there, folks. Um, it's been absolutely brilliant. Uh, a brilliant discussion with the lads. Thanks very much to uh, Doogie. Thanks very much for your, your time, sir. Really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed it myself. Uh, it's good hosting as well for your first Sunday night, lads. The check's in the post, mate. You know. And as, as people who worked in banking, you know I'm lying. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Stuart, thanks very much, sir. Uh, you didn't even need any drink tonight. No, well, actually, it was that that was intravenously fed into my arm, but you can't see my right <laughs> arm here. Is it? High octane rocket fuel going in this one. <laughs> always do it in style, mate. You always do it in style. Um, listen, folks, thanks very much for your attention. Uh, thanks also to Frankie uh, for producing the show tonight. Thanks to you all for joining in. And uh, we will have something with you. Um, reviewing the Hearts game uh, next Friday and previewing uh, our last game of the season against St Mirren. Thanks for joining us, folks. Good night.